This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Morning, church. Tomorrow we begin a brand new year, Lord willing, right? You ready for that? I hope you're looking forward to a fresh new start, a new year, maybe for some of you a fresh vision. And uh, I hope you take some time to reflect like I do every year at this time um, on the good as well as the bad and uh, how I can get better this coming year. So I hope you do a little of that reflection as well. It's also time where some will make New Year resolutions, right? Um, I thought it was interesting to find out that researchers say that only 9% of Americans that make resolutions actually complete them. (laughs) 23% of the people quit their resolution by the end of the first week of January, and 43% of the people quit by the end of the month. So this was new to me. Maybe you've heard of this, but... uh, January 12th is actually something called Quitter's Day. Anybody participate in that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So for 2024, uh, surveyors say the number one resolution this year is to plan to save more money, whereas in years past it was usually uh, exercise more, eat healthier, and lose weight. So as we head into this new year, rather than set a resolution that none of us are probably going to keep, uh, I would like to propose to you this morning not a resolution, but a challenge to live a year of heaven on earth in 2024. What does that look like? We're going to talk about that today. When the um, disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, the Gospels recorded Jesus' reply, And within that reply, we find in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10 that Jesus said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Although that sounds very optimistic, it used to also sound very impossible to me because I just didn't quite get that. I didn't quite understand what the steps are to do that. I mean, after all, look around us at what is happening in our world today, right? Does it look much like heaven to you, right? How can we possibly make it like heaven? Well, perhaps we've been looking at it all wrong. Uh, God's real problem is not so much with the culture outside of of the church and outside of believers to a culture that's gone astray from him or away from him totally, but more with his own people that are called by his name, that have gotten somewhat complacent or maybe gone astray a little bit themselves. You see, God calls for his own people to humble ourselves by recognizing and confessing our need to seek him first in all things. Imagine with me, church, if we would stop trying to make this earth heaven through human efforts and start living by the Spirit as we usher in a brand new year of heaven on earth. Back in Genesis, before sin, man and woman lived in a garden, right? The place of perfection that we call Eden, 
where God's presence was with them. But we know just a few chapters in that Genesis separated man from God, which gave way for the need of a Savior in the form of Jesus to rescue man from his sin so that one day he could once again dwell with God forever. Now, the Bible is a, is a continuing story of repentance and rescue and restoration. And it's all climaxed with this vision of heaven that John writes about in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. We read these words, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Man, that is the day I'm looking forward to. Amen? But that is yet to come. That is in the future. So how can we live out this heaven on earth in 2024? Those of us who are Christ followers, we are already new creatures, new creations. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer condemned. We are free. We are accepted by God, holy and righteous in His sight because of Jesus, not by anything we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So what does it look like to live in light of the restoration of God's presence in this time period that we live in on this earth? It looks more like Eden when we do that. Let's do a real quick review. We've had a series running through the month of December called All Things New. And we talked about these, these various things. Back in Genesis, in the garden, Jesus breathed new life into Adam. So heaven is new life. And in the garden, Jesus created the new relationship with his creation and then allowed his creation to have relationships with each other. So heaven is new relationships. Also in the garden, Jesus created a new vocation for the people that he created to keep until the land, to protect and name animals. So heaven is a new vocation. And in the garden, God's presence walked amongst humans. And in the person of Jesus, that begins again. So heaven is in and with Jesus. So I want to give us some practical applications this morning on how to live out our lives this year, how to live out our life, our relationships, and vocation on earth as it is in heaven. So first of all, I think we have to start here, that we, we can live out the gospel. Bringing heaven to earth literally begins with the gospel that we say we believe in. God's Spirit transforms us into His likeness. And since we can't personally bring perfection to this earth on our own human efforts, the gospel gives us a chance to receive perfect forgiveness in a world that doesn't seem to focus much on forgiveness anymore. 
By living out the kingdom of heaven here before Christ returns, we experience this constant renewal of God's grace and acceptance and forgiveness. We can live like an ambassador of the Lord as we're called to based on 2 Corinthians 5.20. To be able to share our faith with others wherever you go. To not be ashamed of the name Jesus Christ. He gave his all for you. And Jesus taught us in Matthew 5 that we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Church, does your action and attitude that we've been talking about this month, does our actions and attitudes bring light into darkness? Does it make the world thirsty for what you have in Christ? Or does your action and attitude sometimes turn people away from wanting to know more about Christ? You see, our commission is to go to the nations and make disciples. What does that look like for you this new year? Well, for me personally, it means going back to Haiti in January, in spite of all the challenges that are going on still there. What does that look like for you this year? What, who are you going to share your faith with? Who will you disciple? Where will you go? And secondly, I believe living heaven on earth will be about worshiping freely and uninhibited. Church, what would it look like in 2024 for us to worship our King the way we will worship in heaven? Did you ever think about that? Not worrying about what the person beside us may think if we raise our hands or we sing louder, especially if we're out of key, right? What if we could all worship with the same devotion and reverence and all to our King, regardless of who or what is on this stage behind me? It may be a choir singing hymns. It may be the worship team singing new songs. It may be brass and violins like we had up here at Christmas Eve, or guitars and drums, or it might be a cappella. But can we worship our King like we will in heaven? Imagine what that could be like this year. Revelation 5, 13 and 14 gives us a glimpse of what that is going to be like. John records these words, I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Man, there's going to be music and worship in heaven, so let's practice it here on earth. Perhaps this Christmas season, you got to hear some large choirs or orchestras during, during you know, Christmas specials with hundreds of voices in perfect harmony blending together in praise. That's just a small glimpse of heaven. Imagine what it's going to be like with thousands and thousands of Christ followers joining in worship that lasts forever. Let's bring a little bit of that kind of worship to earth this year, okay? What other practical things can we do? I've preached on this before, but I think it's so important in the context of this message. I think we need to remember our identity. Living the year of heaven on earth shows the world more about whose you are rather than who you are. Pastor and author uh, Craig Rochelle, 
that I respect a lot. Um, in his latest book called The Power to Change, he wrote these words. Who you think you are drives your behavior. We tend to define ourselves by what we believe influential people in our lives think of us. We also tend to define ourselves by our worst sins or habits. We say, for example, of ourselves, I am fat or I am too skinny or I'm an addict, or I'm worthless, or I'm a loser, or a victim. Church, that is not who you are. But we are tempted to define ourselves like that. Satan will constantly lie to you about who you are. You are who God says you are, not what the world says. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. God offers you love when you were not lovable. He offers you acceptance, not accusation. He offers you forgiveness for sin so that the relationship between man and God can once again be restored to where it once was in Eden. And He gives you grace and mercy along the way, not condemnation. You belong to Christ if you're a follower of Christ, not the world. And keeping this in mind will help guide your steps in your vocation and your families and in your relationships. It will cause you to choose different relationships than the world may choose. You will be able to do your vocation for the glory of God rather than be controlled by money and power. Your workplace all of a sudden becomes your mission field rather than just a place to go to work to pay the bills. So in 2024... Who are you going to run with and hang with and associate with? Is there a family member or a friend that you need to kind of forgive or maybe come alongside and help out and encourage this year? And thirdly, once we get the identity part figured out, because if that's still a mystery, all these other things are not going to fall in place for you. Once you know whose you are with identity, then thirdly, your priorities will be a reflection of your identity. You see, your activity in life will show how much you love God and love people. Your love for others will be shown because of who you hang out with and who you're seen with, like the undesirables, the poor, the broken, the sick, the hurting, the agnostic, the sinners. We had homeless that were hanging out on our campus this week. And the staff was ministering to them. We didn't just turn them away and reject them. We loved on them. You'll express your love of God through your attitudes, your actions. It'll show up when you open up your calendar what that looks like. It'll show up in your checking account what that looks like. What you spend your time and money on reflects where your heart or your treasure is, Jesus said. It'll show your identity. It'll show where your priorities are. So what does 2024 look like for you when it comes to investing your time, talent, and treasure? And how will you serve the least of these this year? Will it be through local missions or global missions? Who can you walk alongside of to encourage and make a difference? What stores, what organizations will you donate to or buy from? Do they support what you value and believe in? 
And that brings me to the fourth point. My prayer for our church this year is that we bear much fruit, much like we did this previous this this year. God's blessed us immensely. But rather than setting a goal of how much fruit you will bear, would you consider paying more attention to what it takes to actually bear the fruit? What I mean by that is it's up to the Spirit that lives in us to bear fruit in and through us. We can't set a goal and say, this is how much fruit we're going to bear. But Jesus taught us the key to bearing fruit out of John 15. Yet we tend to focus more on the fruit sometimes than we do the how-to. So let's look at a verse in John 15, one of my favorite ones. It's verse 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And sometimes we kind of get that messed up, right? Sometimes we act like we're the vine and everybody else has to be the branches, right? <laughs> but Jesus says, no, I am the vine. You are the branches. And then he continues, he says, the one who remains in me and I in him does what? Produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me, Jesus said. Oh, we don't like that last part, do we? That's a zinger. It hurts. We like to put the period right after the word fruit. But there's a comma instead of a period. It says, because you can do nothing without me. You know what that means, church? That means we can do nothing without him. <laughs> Are you tired of trying to do it all yourself? It'll burn you out, basically. Because we're not supposed to do it by ourselves. We're supposed to live and serve in community. Not do everything ourselves. It starts with abiding or remaining in Jesus, this verse says. These practical disciplines that you're probably rebooting and resetting for this year of reading God's Word. Maybe you're following some kind of guide or plan to help you with that. But then taking time to meditate on what you're reading. Not just check a box off and say, okay, I read my first two chapters. I'm good for January 1. And by January 12th, Quitter's Day, I'm behind by five chapters. Forget it. Don't do that. Read the Word and meditate on it. Study it. Chew on it. Be still. Find times to be still. Find solitude. In a world that wants to stimulate you every second of the day so you won't be bored. It's so countercultural. But well, we have to learn to do it. It takes discipline. You see, discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. And are you willing to wait? Are you willing to wait on God's timing rather than your timing? Would you be willing to set some new boundaries this year and carve out some time in your day to remain in the Lord? Mom and dad's in here and grandparents and maybe some great-grandparents. Will you step this up this year to be the example for your kids and grandkids of what that might look like, that they actually see you pulling away a little bit and taking some time to be still? Maybe saying no to a couple things in the hustle and bustle to be still? Can you set that example? Students, would you set yourself apart from the world in 2024? Would you seek after the things of the Lord rather than the traps and desires of this world? 
because there's plenty of them. Would you be different than the world? Would you seek God for wisdom instead of blindly following all the talking heads that are on media as if we have no brain of our own to function? And can we be confident that when we do so, church, that the Lord will bear much fruit in and through us? Because that's what the Word says. Your marriage will bear fruit. Your family dynamics will bear fruit this year. Your influence and ministry efforts will bear fruit if we remain in Him. Because apart from Him, we can do nothing. And to quote once again from Craig Rochelle's book, with God's power this year, as we remain in Christ, he suggests these things, that we can love those who are difficult to love. Anybody got some of them? You got a couple people that are like, man, they drive me crazy. I got to work with them. I got to live with them, right? They're in my family, whatever. But you learn to love those who are difficult to love. It'll help us serve when we would rather be served. We love being waited on, don't we? But many times we have to sacrifice some of that to serve others first. And here's one to meddle just a little bit. Give when it's scary to give. Right? Sometimes you write that check or you make that withdrawal and you're like, man, I, I could really use that over here to pay this off. But God's telling you, no, put it here. Right? Do you trust Him enough with that part? Two, will you study at times when you'd rather just zone out or chill or play a game or something? Will you spend time with your spouse or kids when you'd rather just be alone? And, and lastly, will you trust God rather than worry? Hmm. Jesus taught us in Matthew 6, 33 and 34, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. You see, church, in heaven there will be no worries, right? But right now in this old world that we're in, there are many things that trouble us. Many of the things that worry us, though, either will never come true or are totally out of our control. Look back over the last couple years at the things that, that you worried about and that I worried about. They never came true or they were something that I couldn't fix anyway because they were out of my control, right? Jesus is teaching us to seek first the kingdom of God, and his promise is, in, is that when we do that, all of these things will be provided for us. Well, what things? Well, it, it mentions that in Matthew chapter 6. It's the things that we worry about, our bills, our food, our drink, where we're going to get our clothes, uh, things about our health. But can we seek this year to live a contented life instead of a worrisome life? Because in heaven, 
we will be fully content, right? So if we're going to live heaven on earth, we need to find some contentment even here. Why not live that way now? Seek and find some rest. Seek and find contentment in the Lord, not in the things of this world. The new things you got under the tree, they're going to be tarnished by the end of the month. They're not going to look new again. If you were blessed to get a new car this year, you've already spilled a milkshake on the front seat. It's not new anymore. I'm sorry. The kids have vomited on the back seat, right? You know what I'm saying, right? It's not new anymore. In 2024, will you lay down the things that worry you at the foot of the cross? Would you humbly trust God and ask Him to provide for your daily needs as you seek first His kingdom, not your own kingdom? So as we start to walk more by the Spirit this year and we trust God more this coming year, for some of you, it's just consistency because you're already doing it. For some of you, it's going to feel different. It's going to feel scary at times. It may be scary to step out on faith towards a new habit or a new discipline and learning to rely more on God's power instead of your own willpower. It'll help you probably to define what your wins will be this year. What's a win for you? And, and focus on the habits and disciplines that it takes to achieve those wins. You see, we need hope. We're desperate without hope. But hope doesn't change your life. Habits do. And discipline to do the habits will change things. Hope inspires us. It motivates us to change. We need it, but habits is what changes our life. So let's be bold enough this year, church, to reach for things that can only happen if God is involved in them. Can you imagine what that would look like this year for you individually or as a family and for this church if, if we're only setting goals for things that our talent, our skill set, our charisma, whatever, can achieve, well, then we don't need God. But if we set goals, it's like, man, the only way this is going to happen is if God intervenes, is if God allows this to happen. Those are the goals I can get excited about. And you don't lose if it doesn't all come about, because you set them so high, it says, God, I need you to do this. I can't do it by myself. Let's be bold enough to reach for those kind of things this year. Remember, church, that Jesus loves you. He created you, and he empowers you as you remain in him. I love uh, this, uh, this quote by an old Puritan preacher named Richard Baxter. He talks about heaven, and it's kind of in some old English and so forth, uh, but it says, heaven itself is ready. The Lord will receive you into the glory of his saints, a vile brute as you have been. If you will be cleansed, you may have a place before his throne. His angels will be ready to guard your soul to the place of joy if you but sincerely come in. And God is ready. The sacrifice of Christ is all ready. The promise is ready and the pardon is ready. 
So church, I ask you this morning this question, are you ready? Because all of heaven is ready. Jesus has done all he's going to do. It's been complete. He's going to return or call us up to him, right? But are you ready for that? 2024 can be a year of heaven on earth if you're willing to say, Lord, I am ready to follow you. And perhaps you need to surrender your heart. We just sang a song, Resurrender. I need to resurrender. Is that you today? The surrender your heart or resurrender? Giving up the reins for God to be your Savior and guide for your life. And if that's you this morning, and you need to like reset, resurrender, or maybe this is the first time of surrendering to the Lord. I'd love you to come up to me or Pastor Bill or talk to someone beside you and say, how do I do that? What's my next step? I'd love to pray with you about it this morning. I'm going to ask uh, the worship team to come back up. Let me give you a couple gospel responses to close out this morning. As you think about how you can live a year of heaven on earth, let's ask ourselves these questions. Who, not what, is my identity? Who, not what, is my identity? And following that, once we have that settled, then what are my priorities this year? What really matters this year? And lastly, what behaviors or habits do you need to change in 2024? Maybe write down some things that you want to begin or start for the first time. And maybe you need to write down some things that you need to stop that aren't working anymore or that hindered your growth this year. Let's pray together as we close out. Father, as we embark on a brand new year, we ask that you once again would shower your blessings on our church family. Lord, you've been so good to us this year, and we give you the glory for it all. Father, may we bear much fruit again in 2024 for the kingdom. Would you help us to put aside our preferences, put aside our desires, and yield to what you want to do with us this year. May we seek you first. God, may we remain and abide in you so that we can bear much fruit. Would you fill us, God, with your power fresh and anew each day so we can live out a year of heaven on earth as we await your return, as we watch, eagerly watch and wait. I pray this in Jesus' name. Let's continue the worship together. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.